Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I speak with financial planning authority, Elliot Callen. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you, Jason. No problem. And today we're going to talk about the secrets and insights on how to grow your fortune uh, while protecting your family along the way. Uh, one of the things people always ask me, and I am not the financial planning authority, so I'm going to ask you, and then I will relay the information or send this episode out to them. What are some of the top ways that somebody can, I guess, prepare for the future, whether it's retirement, whether it's protecting their wealth? Because a lot of people out there don't do anything. They just assume they'll be taken care of by Social Security or whatever in the future. So what are the top four things you would recommend to somebody who doesn't know anything about financial planning to do to prepare for the future? That's a great question, Jason. Let's talk about the phases that people are going to go through. And then within each phase, there are different strategies. So the, the first phase for everybody is accumulation. So we start, we're out of school, we start working, we're starting to build an income up, family started to grow, assets are starting to grow, maybe you're buying a house, maybe you're thinking I wanna buy some rental property, maybe you know that you need to invest and build for the future, your company's 401k, maybe you're gonna start a company at that time too, because maybe you've got the entrepreneurial bug, like this is, I've started four companies right now, um, and that's the bug in me. And my wife asked me, if you were to sell your company, what would you do? I said, I'd start another one, that's what I do. And I don't know what it would be, but I'd start another one. And a lot of people are like that, like me. Like um, me. I'm the same yeah, way. There you go. And I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a relentless pursuit for achievement um, because it's an unsatisfied need that you have. No matter how big or how wonderful or how terrific you become, you realize I could do better somewhere. Yeah, it's, never, it's never quite enough. Yeah. This widget is just this widget, not the last widget. So I know you've got an audience of entrepreneurs like you and myself. The first thing you have to do in a financial planning world is understand that you've got to take money and put it aside for either if it's your, if it's your business, your business future and investment, or it's you personally. And know when I say money, those are not just cash and stocks and bonds. They could be everything. Whatever assets you want to develop, you want to develop and you want them to get them grow. You want them to grow in a way that makes sense for your personal Risk, risk psyche. So your risk psyche can be very different than mine. Your aggressive growth investments, maybe for me, I don't understand them. I'm scared of them. And I want to be very passive and I don't want to lose money there. I just gave you two extremes. Yeah. Everybody who starts their own business wants to grow their own business. That's just how it is. You wouldn't right. start if you didn't want to grow it. Right. But investments and portfolio building and real estate development, that has its own definition. So the first phase is you got to build it. You got to get it. You got to grow it. Right. You're going to just grow brick by brick. You're going to be painful, painfully slow along this way. So the second step is now that I've got it, don't lose it. Hmm. Of course. I'm starting to build it. And we may want to reinvest it in other ways to make it grow and grow and grow, which is always the accumulation. I have a friends, I have many friends in California real estate. They've never stopped buying real estate no matter, no matter what the market is. Wow. And in those few years, when they needed the money, they made sure they had enough money on the side to not dip into the real estate when real estate was down. And it right. does go down. Of course. And, and the same thing like last year in the stock market, you don't want to be selling in a year like 2022. No. Yeah. You want to be buying. You want to be buying in 2022. Buy. <laughs> and, 
And by the way, entrepreneurs in general, as you know, are contrarian thinkers. Right. We want to do the opposite of the masses. And so that's the same with investing and building your portfolio. And the third big phase is, okay, I've built it. I've got a business. Maybe I've sold it along the way. I've started another company. Whatever was important to you. Now I'm at a different phase of my life. And now I want to think of what's in the next phase for my children, my family. If I've got a company, do I want to bring in the next generation? Um, and that we could talk about that on its own show. Right. Do I want my family involved with my company? Would I prefer to sell it to a stranger? Am I willing to give favorable terms or am I going to have the attitude, look, give me the, big, the biggest nut because I'm out of here. I'm right. going to Tahiti. Yeah. And and be on, the, on, on the beach with a margarita. Yeah, those are different strategies. And really, you want to plan for all of them. And I just gave you a 40-year span. Yeah, there's a lot in there. I mean, there's so many different things we can talk about. I mean, one of the things that people love about this podcast is they always have a takeaway. They learn something from people who are knowledgeable. And in your case, you must have seen so many financial pitfalls that people have made or mistakes they've made. What is like the most common mistake people have made when investing that people should avoid? I think you take too much. You can. Here's the problem we have at, as entrepreneurs. We know in our heart we could do it. We know it. We don't become the best listeners hmm. because we're not the, necessarily the smartest people in the room, but we are the most driven people in the room, and that that works on a double-edged sword. So. If you can surround yourself as an entrepreneur with people that are super smart and they can give you the wisdom of not making a mistake before you make it, mm. you are going to cut years of going backwards off your life. Absolutely. And so a, a very smart move was done that nobody studies anymore. Maybe in MBA school you do this, but it's created by Ford and then uh, really done well at IBM and uh, GM and then Ford and IBM, excuse me, in that order. Henry Ford, and then it became General Motors, and then it became IBM. They created the brain trust. Mm. And if they don't study that anymore, but if you can create a brain trust of people smarter than you that can help you in finance, help you in marketing, help you in in, in other, other human resources, before you make the mistakes that you're going to make, oh my goodness, I wish I had, I wish I did that in my twenties and thirties when I was out there being an entrepreneur and getting a bloody nose on a regular basis and having a bruise on my, on the middle of my forehead from running into so many walls. It's similar to getting an advisory board, you know, for your startup or a board of directors. Cause I mean, a couple of startups I had over the years where I would put together, you know, like you said, these smart individuals who had exited their companies and they knew how to do these things and they would advise, advise me on you should be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that or I would tell them what I want to do. They say, well, you got to do it this way or that way. And you're right. You save, you know, months, years and you save thousands of dollars in, in potential mistakes. So I guess you, you mentioned accumulation. You have to make the money, then you have to invest the money. So I mean, a lot of people can't really get a mindset to invest. Like I know, I know a lot of people who have a nest egg or they have savings and it's a lot of money and they just don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to invest. They always say the same thing. I don't know how to invest. I don't know what to put my money into. How do you help these people achieve a mindset that it's not as difficult as it might seem and it's not as intimidating and there may not be as much risk if you do it in a specific way? What would you tell those people? 
But let's start with that first psyche, because that's a really important one, is you don't need to be an expert at everything you do. And you're not. That's also part of the entrepreneurial double-edged sword on that, that we think we're experts at everything and we're not. So if you're really <laughs> good at making this widget and marketing this widget, whatever that might be, you're really good with online programming. You're really good with creating some type of tool that's going to just sweep across the teenage and 20-something world or the geriatric world, and you are going to own that market. Great. Get help in what you're not great in. So they used to teach you in the old days when I was young is that you should hire people that really work to your strengths. And that advice was exactly the opposite of what they found was effective. Hmm. You should work on your strengths and build on your strengths and hire people that can compensate for what you don't know. Right. They had it. They had it for the sixties and seventies. Exactly the opposite. That's that. interesting. I never heard that. I, I've always been on the second part that you mentioned about hiring people that complemented your skills. Good, you got it fixed already. Right. So, thank, <laughs> thank God. Woof. <laughs> so if if you're not good in finance and investment, then go to a professional. That's what I do for a living. I have people that come to me all day long. There, Jason, that say. I have a portfolio. I have money. I don't know what to do with it. And we can have a, a conversation about what kind of risk taker are you? Let's build a portfolio. Let's not you. Let's not make sure that everybody has the exact same portfolio. This has to meet your needs, your children, your grandchildren, your company's needs. So many good needs out there that are worth having conversation that I can't tell you. You know, if you want to make that shirt that you're wearing right now, it's a nice looking shirt. Thanks. I can't tell you how to make it. I have some ideas, fabric, yeah, yeah, but, sewing. <laughs> but I can tell you how to invest it, how to invest it. Right, right, right. So that makes you're sense. an expert at everything. I certainly don't want to write my own trust. And I can go online and find all that software to write my own trust and do it yourself, trust and wills. Right. And I don't want to do that. I'd spend a little bit more money and get it done right the first time. I do read a lot about, I just read an article yesterday, funny you said that, about trusts and how you don't want to leave your children money uh, without a trust because it's something about taxes and probate and all these issues that come a, come along with just having a will or, or something. I, I know this isn't really about that. I, really what I wanted to ask you, um, one of the things that everybody asks me once again, I'm, I'm kind of a messenger here, so don't shoot the messenger, yep. but everyone says to me, what do you, you know, what do you think? Should I put some of my money into gold and silver metal? Should I put some of my money into Bitcoin? Should I put some of my money into real estate? You know, should I take my cash and instead of just putting it into S&P 500, which is obviously a standard, you put a big chunk of it in there. What about Bitcoin, metals, and real estate? Should I put a little bit into each and just kind of let that ride for the next five, 10 years? Okay, so if you're a, if you're a moderate to higher risk investor, let me answer that with the word yes in so many ways. But what if you're a low risk investor? Bitcoin doesn't belong in your portfolio. Right. Gold is really, look, hard assets like gold and silver. The hard part about buying them is that no one ever sells them. Right. So there's so there's no discipline to sell. So when you're buying gold and silver, it is like buying a painting that one day you're going to sell, and hopefully it's worth more money, a, fan, a nice painting, Picasso. But gold and silver, you're just going to accumulate. And so it really doesn't have much marketable value. I'm doing, I accumulate silver, not because I think silver is a great thing. It's because I want to give it to my kids one day. Exactly. Yeah. And so that that's totally different what we're doing. If you're doing real estate, that's for the right person. 
because they're okay with real estate. And I think real estate should be part of somebody's portfolio, just like I think equity should be part of a portfolio. If you're a little bit more of a moderate to higher risk person and you want to take two or three or 5% in Bitcoin, I'd say go for it. Yeah. If you want to buy futures of, of gold and silver, great, versus the actual gold, I would do that too. Um, I think there are many ways to skin a cat. I'm not sure that phrase is politically acceptable. <laughs> Probably but, not. Uh. There are so many ways to do this that there's one not correct way to do it. The S&P 500 is, a, is traditionally outperformed most funds in the, in the raw index form of it. But there's so many great managed products out there that actually outdo that based on the risk profile for the person. Interesting. And so how how would you go about telling someone again, they're, they're saying to you, OK, all of this sounds great. Uh, how can I now trust you with my hard or you said accumulation, accumulation, you got to earn all this money. These people worked really hard for that money. Now they're putting that trust in your hands. How do you break through that barrier? That, well, and trust is the key word there. So my industry, which is kind of a great and here industry, unfortunately, my industry, the number one trait that a good financial advisor, financial planner must exude is not competence. It's trust. Hmm. Obviously, they need to be competent and not everybody is in any industry. That's just how it is. And if they're commission driven, they have mixed they're getting mixed messages there. So for instance, like us, we're fee driven. So we make money, so to speak, when you make money. Mm. And so we want we want you to do well because as your portfolio grows, our portfolio grows. If you're if I'm selling big insurance products, commission is everything in that world. And that's a therefore you're motivated by the transaction. So if you could find people that are not transaction based, interesting, but are in your best interest based. And they don't make money on any transactions. In other words, if I move you out of AT&T and I put you into IBM, it's right. not because I made any money doing that. It's because it's in your best interest. to. It's do a better trade. Yeah. So you're looking for the best trades to make the most profit. And that's how you make money, which means they're making money and you both win. And it's almost as if you're playing with your money because you want to earn more. So yes. you're help, yeah, that's, that's a great way to look at it. I love it. So tell everybody that's listening and watching where they can find out more about what you do and maybe hire your service. Love that. I can give you, I'll give you all three ways to do it because one thing you want to be good at as an entrepreneur, and you know it, Jason, is you want to be passionate about what you do, you know, because that's going to make you better. You're going to have this huge drive to get better every day, to go to work and be better on Friday than you were on Thursday and even better the following Monday. That's that's the entrepreneurial psyche. I don't go to work. It's not a job. Right. I go to my career. I go to my life. Yep. And it's a great attitude, isn't it? Love it. Yeah. And so they can reach me at 925-314-8503. That's my desk line. It's Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T, at prosperityfinancialgroup.com. And the website, which has my calendar on it, is to literally book an appointment, and we're in all 50 states, is www.prosperityfinancialgroup.com. I'm assuming Prosperity Financial Group is your Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, looks like all as well. It. It's all of it. And we love to have you send us questions. We're uh, all over social media. We really believe in social media. We're very early on in social media. I've got a significant budget, six-figure budget on social media. Wow. Just that. So we're really everywhere. We do dinners for our clients five times a year with uh, outside speakers on different topics. Uh, 
We really try to educate. We do a bi-weekly newsletter on financial topics. We want our clients to know we're watching what's going on in the market and we're watching for them. Perfect. Thank you, Elliot. That was awesome. Hopefully you guys uh, all learned something about the financial market. Check out prosperityfinancialgroup.com and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you at next week's episode.